Welcome to the inaugural episode of The Three Tumblers, a podcast made for locksmiths by locksmiths. I'm Tim Coleman, joined by Jeff Moss and Tyler J. Thomas, where today our topic is going to be training, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Let's start off. I've been a locksmith for a year and a half now, full-time, and I've been to a number of different training classes. Uh, both hosted by by Locksmith uh, Association, and I've learned quite a lot from these different classes. And I think the training's really, really good. Actually, uh, my pet peeve about it is that there are so many locksmiths out there who say, you know, no, I've been doing this for thirty years. There's nothing else to learn. Whereas, I guess because I'm new. I see a lot of new stuff, stuff that I've never dealt with before, but I've also met other locksmiths who have been doing this for 30 or 40 years, and they still go to classes. They still learn. Here in North Carolina, it's a requirement to have at least 16 hours of continuing education training uh, to maintain your license every three years. And... So, you know, I think that some of the locksmiths who show up just show up for that reason, just to get a renewal. But I also think that uh, there's a lot to be learned. Jeff, what what do you think of continuing education classes? I mean, I I think it's critical. I've been doing this for five years. I have coworkers that have been doing it that amount of time and much longer. And there's always more to learn. There's always something that somebody brings in that you've never seen and you know ohio has no licensing there's no requirements for anything but uh, our association always is doing uh free seminars or paid classes or something in between um you know letting people know about manufacturer or distributor trade shows I, you know there's no such thing as too much education okay yeah and i mean i think that it's really really good when you get a manufacturer or a distributor uh, to host training and say, hey, this is something that's new on the market. This is how it works. This is how we'd like you, how you can sell it to a customer and what it does for that customer. Do you agree with that? Yeah. I mean, I think customers want somebody who knows what they're doing to be able to do the job in a timely manner. So it costs them less, you know, uh, if you have somebody who doesn't know what they're doing, it takes you all day and you're getting billed for eight hours of work. <laughs> That's going to be a problem. Exactly. Now, in your area, you, you've got an association. There's there's no licensing requirement. But like, how much training do you see from like distributors and manufacturers? You know, do you have that available in your area or is um, it more the association? There is some like, you know, there's... I, I see from the electrical distributors, uh, there's always classes, different things from like the fire alarm and security. Yeah, I would say overall, yes, it's a lock in the lock stuff specifically. It's mostly manufacturer driven or some kind of trade show. They're not having classes at IDN per se or somewhere locally. Um, okay. All right. Tyler, in, in Atlanta, you don't have licensing in Georgia either, but you know Atlanta is definitely a hub for a 
number of distributors and manufacturers and you know whatnot. Do you see these classes being put on in your area as well? Unfortunately, no. Uh, really? Uh, Annexter, or I don't know what they're calling themselves now. Westco. Uh, Westco. They've got a very big location up the road. Uh, actually, two. One for data and cabling and then one for locks. But they put on some classes here and there. I get the emails, but we've got IDN. They don't, they don't host anything. They used to years ago. Southern Lock's gone. So I guess it's just those two right now. Southern uh, Lock left that, your area? Yeah. Yeah, about a year ago. Really? Because yeah. we've we've got a uh, Southern Lock distributor like location just in South Charlotte. Yeah, it was sad to see them go because their location uh, was probably less than a mile from us. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah. So it was. It was. Well, great. that's. I mean, that's really interesting that you know Westco doesn't have training at their locations because our Westco well, they, they they do they're they're pretty much the only ones that do in Atlanta, but it's oh, okay few and far between and i i take that back uh cdvi and Allegion have offices up the road as well and they do classes in person sometimes i didn't want to rob them of their efforts yeah our Allegion office in charlotte they they do classes i took one there for the schlage uh nd series just like basic servicing and whatnot and then wesco has hosted classes a couple of classes in their office in charlotte and of course, the the North Carolina Locksmith Association, they have quarterly meetings. Of course, that I think that's just now changing. There was a big discussion about that at the November meeting in Raleigh. But basically, that's like, you know, a, a go to source of training for people in North Carolina. And I guess it, with the whole topic of training, it's out there, no matter where you are, like, you know, if you're in a big city or not, you know, is, is kind of close by it at the very least. I mean, out West, probably there's some locations that, you know, you have to go three, four, eight hours to get to a training class. But, you know, as far as going to training, I think one of the biggest things that pisses me off just to be honest about it is that there are so many locksmiths out there who say no i don't need to go to training anymore and to jeff's point you know there's always more to learn and always more to do you know jeff have have you ever met these locksmiths who are like you know no i don't need to learn anything else sure i mean there's guys that just come and sit in the back of the room and you know they're just sort of there but you know, they don't really, you get the idea that they, they know it all. There are, I've worked with people. I've been doing this for 40 years and I don't know how to, I don't need to know how to do X, Y, Z. That's so, yeah. I mean, yeah. And I mean, definitely like, you know, and Tyler, I'm sure you've seen, you know, with locksmiths who are locked into, not to use a pun, but locked into like a, you know, they only do residential and light commercial where they only do automotive and residential you know i mean that's got to hurt their bottom line if they're you know working for themselves right or they only do master key systems like me <laughs> i'm I, I i'm running out of options uh 
But I, I, I guess I'm falling into that category because I'm becoming those types you're talking about when we're in Vegas for Aloha or Orlando this year or next year for Aloha. The last thing I want to do is spend eight hours in a class. I want to go out and see the city and, and, and hang out with friends that you haven't seen all year. So I can understand it. Um, but yeah, I'm in that camp that you're describing. I'm, I'm running out of things to take. I've, I've taken it all that pertains to my business model. I don't know if I need to take forensic locksmithing or photography for locksmithing. I don't, what the hell am I going to do with that? <laughs> well, here's, here's an interesting thing. It's, it's funny that you bring up forensic locksmithing because a year ago uh, at the November meeting of the NCLA, I signed up for the forensic locksmithing like intro class. And, you know, I was thinking with my background as a police officer, you know, I've investigated my fair share of crimes. I know how, you know, crime scene processing works, etc. I went and I sat in the first 10 minutes of that class. Actually, I was 10 minutes late getting there uh, because our, 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 our Westco rep took us out to dinner and, they were really slow at the restaurant. So anyway, got into class and the first 10 minutes, I'm sitting there and I'm like, God, this guy teaching this class is, is just a, a no, I'm not going to sit here and listen to this. And it's like, this is useless. And so I excused myself at the first break and I went to a fire door class that my boss was taking. And I learned 20 times more of the information there. I won't say it's a pseudoscience because uh, there's a lot of people that make good money off of, um, you know, investigating things for insurance companies or testifying as an expert witness, but um, not many. <laughs> but it, it, it is very interesting. I've talked to people that have gone through the classes that are expert witnesses, uh, do build their time to those insurance agencies, things like... Uh, theft at a jewelry store where a safe was damaged and it turned out to be an inside job. Stuff like that's fascinating. It's fascinating to hear the stories, but I don't know if I want to take a class about it because how much of that work is out there? Right, exactly. And I'm feeding into your point of people not wanting to go to classes. I'm looking for <laughs> excuses not to go. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, I, I and I can understand that too, but like when I was, you know, okay, I've been a sworn police officer for almost 15 years now. And I was a 911 dispatcher for 10 years, volunteer firefighter from high school into my mid 20s. So continuing education's always been a part of my life. I, you know, I, I understand it. I get it. But even when, you know, like the very last year that I worked as a 911 dispatcher, I loved going to training especially training with people from outside of our agency, because then you learn more. So, you know, I think that having somebody can bring you new information, even if it's something that you do every single day is beneficial. I mean, Jeff, that's kind of what you were saying, right? I mean, there's always something just because it's the same lock. It may, be, may behave differently. You know, I had a, a GM an old GM trunk lock that was giving me trouble. I did one two weeks beforehand and I had no problems with it. And this one, you know, was, couldn't get the key to turn, you know, it was an issue with the sidebar or something like 
I've only done a handful of those, you know, you expect it to work one way and then it just, and my boss has done hundreds of them and I've done, you know, five of them. So we ended up just selling the guy a new lock and keying it up to his key, but there's never, you know, even when you're in a niche, like what Tyler does, there's still new products that come along like the, you know, you've been doing Medico forever, but they have new products and there's different, you know, the fundamentals are the same, but the little intricacies change, you know, for somebody to say, I, I don't want to learn that anymore. Well, most fields are, you don't have that luxury. You know, I worked with, you know, when I was learning the telecom world and there were guys that worked on old school phone systems and didn't want to learn voice over IP stuff. Well, eventually they found themselves, you know, retiring early, you know, they're not willing to adapt and change to what's being, you know, to what's out there. Then in many cases, you know, unless you own the, you own the company and you can decide what you want to work on, you know, eventually you're going to have <laughs> going to find yourself with not much stuff to do. That might be a subconscious motive to not wanting to continue with classes because it would force you to get out. I guess you're looking for a reason to retire. And, oh, well, I can't make a living off of it anymore. I guess I better close up shop and just retire. We know people that have every certification and everything under the sun. And how one person can't possibly actually do every single thing, you know, you would never sleep, you know, you know, you're a one man ever, and these are people that I like that, you know, it's like, but are you at, you know, you have the certification, but are you actually out there doing forensics or certifying fire doors and doing master key systems and you're a certified master safe technician and you're, you know, uh, whatever, you may never actually do those things, but you took the test. So, so what good is it? Fills up your email signature. <laughs> I I don't see most customers. If you hire an electrician or a plumber, you know if they're replacing the toilet or doing something, you don't necessarily care if they're licensed or not. If you hire them to you know replace a panel or do something where they have to require a permit, yeah, you're going to want somebody. You know that shows this person paid the fees and you know what they're doing, and and somebody's checking up on them. So basically, you know if if you have a major job like doing access control or master keying, then you want to make sure that the person that you're spending thousands of dollars with to do those jobs, it knows what the hell they're doing. Right. I don't know that most customers necessarily, you know, the Joe average, but if it's like a, like if you look at hardware schedules or specs for a, say like a university, they want, you know, one of the requirements, they don't put anything out there about a LOA, but, you know, somebody needs to be a member of DHI, Door and Hardware Institute. That proves that they know something about doors and hardware. They're not just, you know, putting a bunch of things on there and figuring out as they go along. I, in five years, I've never seen a customer come in. Hi, I need this key cut. Oh, by the way, are you a certified registered locksmith? Are you guys a member of a LOA? Like people don't know what that is. Most people don't know what that is. And I don't really know that they care. I know in in North Carolina, the state statute actually for locksmiths requires that upon request, uh, locksmiths have to show their license. And, Mm -hmm. you know, when you get licensed, you have eight and a half by 11 sheet of paper that you can frame and put on your wall. But you also get a pocket ID card. You know, that's the size of your driver's license. And the law says that anybody basically can request to see that 
you know, your license while you are performing those services at any time. And if you're a licensed locksmith, you must present those credentials to them when they request it. And so we kind of, you know, as a shop, we always say, like, if, if a customer calls in and we just simply can't help them for whatever reason, you know, we're booked up on the schedule or we are, you know, not able to do the job that they're wanting us to, or it's too far away or, you know, whatever the reason is, we always try to help them out and say, hey, make sure whoever you contact is a licensed locksmith. Uh, Tyler, do you get, you know, because of kind of your your business model that you have, do you ever have to present any type of credentialing as far as certification or or training or anything to any of your customers? No, just uh, W-9 and certificate of insurance, basically. Yeah, we're so embedded and it's all uh, repeat referral and some of it comes from various factories and and I think that a lot of that's the same for where I, you know, we've been around for almost 60 years and they know we're not going to close. <laughs> I, right. I don't know too. I, some manufacturers have requirements in place that you cannot order certain product unless you're certified on it. Um, that, that's like uh Salto systems, mm-hmm. um, yeah. Salto uh, access control. If you haven't taken their training for their products, they're not going to give you really any information over the phone for technical support. They're based in Atlanta too, or at least this region is based in Atlanta. Maybe that's, no, you're right. I said CDVI earlier. While I do think they are in Norcross, the one I was thinking of was Salto. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. I'd love to go to an in-person Salto class. I took one, um, actually my boss and I took one um, virtually way, way back. And it was kind of difficult to follow along, but, you know, we had to like, basically he had to buy, I think it was like five grand worth of products to have for training material on hand to do the class virtually. It was, you know, video conference class. So, you know, I think training like that, like there was, there was big discussion at the NCLA meeting uh, last month about doing virtual training. And this kind of segues into sort of my last point here uh, about training. And there were several people who were like, you know, can we not do some virtual workshops? And overwhelmingly, there were a bunch. Well, okay, I won't say overwhelmingly, but there were a number of NCLA members and a couple members of the board themselves who opposed the idea of doing virtual training. And, you know, through COVID, virtual training became, you know, sort of kind of the standard for a lot of stuff because you couldn't meet in person. What, you know, Jeff, what do you think about virtual training? Is it beneficial? It's it's great. During COVID, I was able to do some webinars and we were working remote, not working remote, but working less hours you know, alternate days at one point. So there was a lot of good virtual stuff from the manufacturers. You know, you could watch it while you're working when it's not as busy or uh, watch at home. You know, I think that it was tough to get the people from our association to do virtual meetings because they thought, you know, somebody's going to be listening in to talk about all of our locksmith secrets or whatever, which <laughs> the meetings were like 15 minutes anyway. So it there really wouldn't be anything to 
um, whatever. So we did them. And as soon as they didn't have to do them anymore, they went back to in-person only. Now, if you look at LSA, LSA, Locksmith Security Association of Michigan, uh, John Hubel, I mean, they do a great hybrid meeting. Anybody who's in the area comes in person. Anybody else around the country or potentially around the world can watch the meetings and get the recording, which I actually need to get uh, while I'm thinking of it because I couldn't make the last one again. They are willing to let, you know, to, to now have members from all over because they don't have to be limited to one physical location. And I think that's great. Kind of like when we were doing the uh, log sport meetups virtually, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. We did some of those. Yeah. Yeah. That was great. Tyler, what's your take on, you know, virtual training classes? I mean, you know, personally, I prefer a hands-on class because you can show a video of, for instance, cutting a strike. You know, if you're going to install an electric strike in a door frame, you can show a video of that all day long, but nothing beats actually doing it hands-on. Or even if you aren't the one in class who, who takes the die grinder and the Dremel tool to the frame and everything to put it in, you can at least watch and see the coaching. I mean, what is it, you know, a benefit to do virtual training or is it maybe a hindrance or is it maybe better for people who have been in the industry longer? Well, it's certainly better than nothing. Uh, If you can at the very least watch how somebody does it as opposed to being hands-on with it, I'm, I'm all for it. And then plus you do, you get to learn from the comfort of your home or your office, which I'm always about. Don't have to travel anywhere. Don't have to set aside time. Well, I mean, yes, you do, but you know, no more than it takes to log on your computer. So I'm all for it. Uh, yeah, the trade, everything's hands on, but it's better than nothing. So yeah, I'm, I'm all for it. It is. In other words, it's better than the old. Uh, uh, what company did the correspondence courses? Was it uh, Freeman? <laughs> they did the old oh, mail in. Foley Bellsaw. Foley yeah. Bellsaw. Yes. Yeah, I mean that that I don't see how anybody could have learned anything from that. But it did require hands-on. They sent you tools and stuff to play yeah. around with. So you know, we're sort of segueing. We didn't go in exactly in order of what we were going to talk about, but hands-on classes. You know, especially the ones that I've taken. You know, Ataloa, the stuff through Bill Link. You know, there's no substitute for a good instructor. You know, teaching in person. Um, but I think the Zoom stuff is the best that we were able to do with the pandemic. And, you know, some of it is more sales related. So you don't, it's not going to be hands-on anyway. Um, If it's just a product overview type of thing, I think that that's okay. You know, there's no substitute for having the guy in front of you who wrote half a dozen books and. Boy, don't you hate when you go, you register for something online you think, oh, I'm going to learn a lot about this product or this system or this manufacturer, and it just ends up being a glorified sales pitch. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I did one class. God, what was it about? Can't even remember the subject of the class. It was an NCLA class. And every five seconds, like between every, every 15 to 30 seconds, the instructor mentioned the name of the manufacturer. I'm not going to say which manufacturer it is, but I think y'all can guess if you're a locksmith listening to this, I know you can guess because you've been through those trainings before. I don't need a sales pitch. I need to know how your 
fucking product works and how to, you know, apply it to a customer's needs. And that was, that's the, you know, you talk about, you know, again, cause I was at Aloha for a week and the classes I think were in a way more valuable than the trade show because you don't necessarily get the person at the trade show who really knows anything. You get a lot of salespeople and pretty faces in some case, but the most, you know, they don't have a guy there who's taking the thing apart 27 times, knows all the intricacies, you know, can truly answer your questions. But when you're in those classes for, you know, hands-on dealing with people that have done this for a very, very long time, there, there's a huge benefit. And I think that that, you know, be, you know, being able to have somebody like Tyler that I have probably talked to every day for the past five years, having somebody that, that can just, that, that knows that can answer a question that is invaluable. And that's better than any training class. Y'all hear that? Jeff just said, I'm better than any training class. <laughs> you are Tyler. <laughs> Definitely. Not even, like, but no, I mean, hands-on one-on-one you know mentoring type of thing is much harder to come by but you know when i can now that i've been around you know for five years and we have a new guy at work and i can show him stuff because somebody else showed me and there is some stuff that i taught myself and but you know on the whole somebody showed me the right way to do it now i can show them and i think that that's pretty cool Exactly. Like the the first class that I took at the November NCLA meeting was Sergeant LFIC. And originally my boss was supposed to be there, uh, but he got sick, couldn't make it. And he and I were both going to take that. The, the instructor for the class, it was the first time he ever taught. You know, I'm not going to hold that against anybody because there's always a first time for somebody to teach. So the class was kind of kind of awkward. But in the materials that they had, you know, all Sergeant LFIC course, they didn't have any operating or control keys for them because whoever put them into storage from the last class using them didn't have the biddings or, or key cuts or, or even operating keys there. So everybody had to shim them. Well, the first hour of the class was how do you shim a Sergeant LFIC core? <laughs> or excuse me. Uh, yeah, we, you messed that, it up. Yeah, I messed up terminology. Uh, <laughs> how do you, you know how do how do you shim that sergeant LFIC? And the the two guys like next to me, like there was one guy in front of me, one guy beside me. The guy beside me was institutional locksmith for you know 15, 16 years or so. He had never had to shim any type of cylinder or core. The guy in front of me was brand new i mean he was still learning which way the pins went in you know he was still having to say okay pointy end goes down in the plug and i was able to help them with somebody in a class because it might not even be the instructor it might be who you're sitting next to because i've gotten help from the guy i've been sitting next to before and Jeff, to your point about the Aloha conference, you know, I went to, I didn't get to go to Aloha in Vegas, but I did get to go to the banner show in Houston and I took Ken Fu's uh, safe opening and servicing class. That was awesome because for two days we took shit apart. You know, we, we took an, a Sergeant and Greenleaf 
dial combination lock completely down to the casing, serviced it, put it all back together, changed the combination. It was pretty freaking awesome. And then, you know, we drilled a freaking safe open. And, you know, it's like, okay, here's what you look for. Ken Fu, he was an amazing instructor. And we got a lot of hands on with that. Tyler, I guess, you know, I've never been to an Aloha meeting before because I just technically joined Aloha this year. I mean, as far as hands-on training, does Aloha offer a lot of that? Yeah, the, uh, well, the pandemic changed everything but uh, typically at the conventions there's god 50 60 classes maybe more with the half days at night you know seven to ten six to nine i can't remember they what no they, they didn't do that this year they didn't but they well, had a, they probably had 75 classes okay yeah see i'm a terrible terrible representative they, but yeah uh the convention's obviously the the biggest and then they have stuff time to time in dallas at the headquarters and then sometimes they'll go out remote sponsor stuff but Aloha's big on on training hands-on training in-person training but they also have started kicking around with webinars and online training and I think some of that probably changed when they moved and they don't have their big training facility anymore yeah yeah that's true well, that kind of sucks the people that donated and put their names on it well, I, you know, who knows what the future may hold, but I uh, I have a feeling that the new one's going to be bigger and better than ever. Awesome. Yeah, and, and our association, again, we have not only the classes, but there's a lot of people, you know, we have the president of Aloha, the president of SAFTA are both members of our association. There's a lot of knowledge and there's, you know, people that you can reach out to as members to, to answer questions beyond the fact that we try to do a class at almost every meeting, not a paid all day class. Those are like before the meeting. Those are like the day before uh, we'll do like a two hour seminar uh, before each meeting. You can learn a lot there too. Jeff, how often does your association meet? Every month. Every month. Wow. And is that a state association or is that just a local association? No, it's a Pennsylvania, Ohio, West Virginia. We have people that, that come from all over. Okay. So, so like a regional one. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Okay, cool. Any last thoughts from either of you? Okay, no. cool. Well, after a quick break, we will be back and Tyler Thomas will be sharing his subject with us. So say, Stay tuned for the three tumblers. This is my turn, my segment. I guess what I wanted to speak about as it relates to education are war stories and it's such a problem that it's got its own term, maybe not unique to the locksmithing industry, but we have it. And war stories are basically, you're in a class, topic comes up, something hits in somebody's brain, they raise their hand or they just speak out loud and they tell you about that time at that job, that location where this and that happened. And they derail things for, I don't know, 30 seconds, five minutes. And they can't tell you, nothing grinds my gears more than war stories. Stop talking. Shut up. Save it. That's all I have. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Shut up. I mean, so, I so you said 
not unique to logsmithing. I have to 110% agree with you on that because like I said in the first block, you know, I, I law enforcement, 911, EMS, firefighter, it, it is not at all unique to logsmithing. And I completely agree with you. It some people just, just want to some people just want to hear themselves speak, I guess, but a lot of the times the stuff they bring up, it none of it has anything to do with anything. Exactly. So again, uh, I'll keep it short and simple. If you're thinking about talking, thinking about sharing a job, don't. But what if it is related? I mean, Jeff, I've been to dozens of these things, dozens of classes in person for 15 years now. I've never heard one that was relevant. Well, Jeff, to your point, I mean, what, like, if you run into something on a job site, there's like something unique about that. Isn't there value? in that being shared like somewhat I, I guess tyler give an example of what you're talking about because if if it's a class about master keying and somebody talks about well let me tell you about the car i made keys well that would make no sense and there's no reason to bring that up but if it's a class about master keying and you talk about a 12-story building with 27 submasters per floor and and stuff like that i mean it, it, it do you do, but do you think that somebody in a class about master king would have that sort of experience or expertise to share that maybe i mean i'm talking about like um let's see a high security class or something like that and, oh I, I ran into a medico one time i had to drill it and oh, 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 oh. well yeah, yeah. That, okay i get it yeah that that's okay but like if you're capable of sharing a story that's noteworthy or pieces of advice would you not be the person teaching the class why would you be there in the first place to learn because maybe that person had one experience out in the field and they're trying to gain knowledge as to why they encountered that problem well that could be but that that would definitely be the exception to what i'm talking about not the rule for the most part a lot of these people just like to buy a, what do they call it? Biovate? Biovate? Boviate? Boviate. Thank you. Thank you, buddy. Uh, yeah, they just want to hear themselves talk. And they and and the, there's nothing that kills it or, or disrupts the flow, the rhythm faster than somebody that just wants to go off into some semi-related tangent, but kills 30 seconds, five minutes of a class talking about a job. And you know, the instructors always hate it because you can just see them going, mm hmm, mm hmm, mm hmm. Okay. And the next thing, you know. <laughs> okay. So when I was working 911, I was actually an instructor, classroom and on the job. And in the classroom, I hated it when I got people who, well, I, I loved and hated it equally when I got students who were like volunteer firefighters who had listened to the radio and and were scanner junkies and all that stuff because they would be like well yeah that one time i did this on this call and and the dispatcher done did this but didn't do that and, and i'm like shut the fuck up i really resent that you did that in a southern accent <laughs> i'm in the south that's <laughs> like my coworker. you know talk about fires that they fought 50 40 years ago or stuff that he did when he was in the air force and like like okay yeah. dude. Well, I mean, I mean, and, and to get to logsmithing is like you know yeah and i talked about this today in my life you know coming across a wiser residential knob that's 40 years old 
you know, okay, yeah, you can tell me about that. What I'm going to do today, though, is tell the customer why it needs to be replaced. And there are, I, and I think, and there are some stories like the, the guys that I work with that all worked for this guy that was shady, and the stories that they have from over the years, like those stories are fine. But you know, when somebody dropped a safe into a lake, those stories I, I like to hear. But yeah, if you're in a medical class and somebody say, yeah, I, I saw one once and I turned it into Swiss cheese. That has no value. I don't like the time I sent y'all pictures of the uh, the key mark cylinders. I was trying to. You're t- hey, you're telling a war story right now. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Um, so yeah, now Tyler, let me ask you this: What do you think about instructors who start telling war stories? Well, I hope it's relevant to whatever's being discussed at the moment. So, like instructors who just get off on a tangent and spend 45 minutes talking about war stories. I mean, if I'm sitting there, if I paid for the freaking class. Yeah. I'm pissed. If I'm, if I pay for it, if it's free, I understand. What if it's normal? What if the class normally somebody would pay for, but you got it for free? Well, I mean, if I'm not expending, well, I am expending my time, but uh, that's a little bit more palatable than uh, my money. So even if you pay like membership dues, like, you know, for NCLA, we pay for membership dues and we get free training. Like all of the training classes are free as long as you're up to date on your dues. I don't want to sit in a class where the instructor starts telling war stories for 45 minutes and then we take a 20 minute smoke break. Yeah, no. Uh, It sounds like you're in the South. No, I ain't in the South. Y'all don't smoke up there? It's still allowed. We grow it here. Yeah, I yeah. think. Yeah, I think that would make the difference between a better class. That would certainly skew one's opinion to the class. I guess mainly what I'm saying is that everybody's time is vital. We don't need to hear about everything that pops in your head first. So, so what you're saying is, if an instructor has a war story, make it relevant. If a participant of the class has a war story at least try to make it relevant to the class and find out why their outcome is different than what the instructor is saying right well yeah either party as long as it's relevant it's valuable but if it's not or if it has some thread of truth or resemblance shut up exactly i think we've all been in those classes whether whether logsmith related or not we've all we we all know that guy that before the first break, they spend 10 minutes talking about a story. Well, we've all been there that the, that the phrase exists and is well known in the community that, you know, they're called war stories. So it happens to all of us and has been going on long enough and is so prevalent that it's been attached to describe what we're talking about. So what's, what's the moral of the story, Jeff? Don't talk. Keep your mouth shut. Let the instructor do the talking. <laughs> right. The guy, he's getting paid for it. He's getting paid for it. <laughs> exactly. Let the guy getting paid to talk, talk. It's called a war story, not a war question. War questions are fine. War stories are not. I'm looking at my notes. Oh. I actually, like, take notes. Yeah. I, I think we covered it. Is that uh, a sponsored can... notepad? It, it's, it's a banner solutions. Yeah. Yeah. And, and an IDN pen. Nice. <laughs> Looked at it. So, all right.
Jeff. Yes, this is Jeff Moss. I wanted to talk about the value of a good instructor and one that will make you want to take more of their classes. Um, and this is not intended to be an advertisement for this person, but uh, several years ago, I got uh, I purchased uh, three of Bill Link's books about small format IC. This was even before I was locksmithing professionally. Uh, and shortly after I joined the Penn Ohio Locksmith Association, I was able to take one of his classes. And it, you know his edu- his background not only is in locksmithing but also education, so he knows how to teach and how to locksmith. He's just very engaging, hands on, takes the time to explain to everybody, but also help each student. And that is you know what you want when you're learning, whether it's something that's a refresher. Uh, or something that you've never touched before. And I just, you know, I was able to take several other of his classes at Aloha this past year. And he's been doing this for a long time for a good reason. You know, he knows what he's talking about. He knows how to make everybody understand. He's got a lot of different, you know, visual aids, sample cylinders, uh, things that, you know, you get to pin up and and really understand how this stuff works uh, while also not, trying to sell you one specific manufacturer stuff or anything like that because it's teaching IC. So there's a hundred different manufacturers and, and there's all, they all have different, you know, idiosyncrasies and, and things that you need to know. So I just think that having somebody who's been in the trenches, not to have the war stories as Tyler says necessarily, but somebody who gets it and you can't really put a price on that. Yeah. Jeff, I took a class, like one of the first classes I took, after going to work for the shop that I work for, uh, was put on by Banner when when we actually had a local Banner rep, but that's an entirely different discussion. And the instructor was Robert Lovato, and his like specialty was access control. Like I was kind of talking about in my live today, access control is probably 50% of the commercial work that we do. This guy had came up from, you know, basically copying keys in a hardware store all the way up to doing professional access control solution installations for people. You know, it worked in California, throughout the Midwest, the, the Northwest, you know, Mideast, everywhere nationwide. And he wound up uh, becoming an instructor for Banner. The, the original, I guess, core topic of the class it was access control but it was more access control with door operators like you said you know he was an instructor that knew the material and knew how to teach and had kind of that practical application he could tell you how to take whatever product and put it into this door and that was one of the best classes ever and i ran into him at the south carolina uh, locksmith association trade show last year after i had taken the class and just kind of stopped him just to say hey you know hey i enjoyed your class blah 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 and, you know hope to take the class from you in the future he spent 45 minutes on the showroom floor just talking to me about all kinds of shit <laughs> it was pretty awesome so yeah i i agree with you i kind of looked at bill link's website that you sent me uh to prepare for this recording you know, he's got like every alphabet soup of Aloha after his name. I think that's pretty cool, though, that you can say that he's got all these certifications and then 
transfer it into a practical application. That's all I've got to say. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And and but he can back it up too. You know, Tyler. Yes. Say something. Well, I guess we've come full circle. We've talked about uh, people that uh, should be going to classes, the people that shouldn't be talking during classes, and now the reason why you should go to classes. We've come full circle in 90 minutes, I guess, is what we've been doing this now. <laughs> so in a roundabout way, we've, we've, we've reached our, our theme. Well, we've got one more segment that I'm surprising you with after this. Oh, oh, uh-oh, I spoke too soon. Yes, you did. Tyler, let me ask you this. What class would you love to teach? Probably the only one I'm qualified, uh, Master King. <laughs> <laughs> you, you wouldn't teach anything about Medico or Best or, or you know, Key Generation or anything like that? I, I probably would, but I wouldn't be as enthused as Master King. I'm always learning something new. We figured out something new I've never thought about yesterday with selective systems and i know that's like 10 percent of 10 percent nerd stuff but blew my mind and i'm still thinking about it right now but no master key was the only one i really have enthusiasm to teach you don't want to hear me talk about medica just be me trashing them for like 90 percent of the time and here you are writing a book <laughs> all right hey, nobody, so, knows that. nobody knows that you just spilled a secret well i'll edit that out no um, no keep, keep it in they they deserve to know okay it's a secret that everybody knows now. Jeff, any last thoughts on your topic? No, I just, education is very important. It's an industry where things are always moving. And like you said, you know, Tyler's like, hey, we discovered something that the factory didn't even know about. Like, that's really cool. And I don't even know about the selective thing. He hasn't shared that, but he's found other ways. You know, you find other ways to do things and then when you figure out actually how it worked, you're, you know, you can the figurative light bulb. It's like, oh, okay. So that's why, you know, like when I took one of the advanced master king classes, it's like, okay, so we did this and we made this work. And I, and he's, and I, I said, you know, or I asked, I said, oh, so is that how my boss made that set of master keys work? And then it, it sort of made more sense. So, yeah, I think that there's limited things to learn and, you know, pick your area, safes, automotive, commercial, key blanks. I mean, I just always different stuff that gets brought in. Yeah, there's a there's a shit ton of classes that have never been taught that should be taught. Like Like what? Well, what he just said, key blank identification. There's there's a lot of nuance to that that. a lot of us take for granted, but could easily, I'm not good with words, but we could easily spread and share it with other people. Develop. You know, holding the key a certain way. Yeah. Bow identification. Bow identification is part of the ALOA mandatory PRP, but I've never seen it taught outside of like a fundamentals class. Uh, but there's a lot of wisdom in learning little nuances like that. But I've never seen a class about Key blank identification, which I guess you could talk about I've sourcing uh, key blanks, you know, blue dog and all that. What, are you, what, what were you doing? I actually like one of the first classes I took through the NCLA was key blank identification. And oh, I'm shit. I'm eating my words right now. Key Bible. Yeah. Okay. Well, all right. Well, and I stand corrected. <laughs> but, I but I mean, still, I, I took that class and I get to the shop where we have the actual printed copy of the key Bible. And I'm like looking at it and I look up at my boss and I look at it and I look at the blank and I look at the Bible. 
and I look up at him and I say, what key is this? You know, it is not a, a practical, it, it was practical, but I didn't, it, it wasn't taught in a way that it stuck. When I was first starting as an apprentice, uh, the lady that taught me, yes, I was taught by a lady, believe it or not. Mm-hmm. The She gave me a list of the 50 most common key blanks in our area. And I'm sure that it would apply to every part of the U.S. But learning those 50 by heart, learning the millings and all of that, that that served me so well, especially with walk-in traffic. They're bringing me something, you know, it's a Chicago 101 AM or a K5 or whatever it may be, whatever you want to call it, ILCO or OEM. That taught me so much. And key blank identification, I mean, it's just a weird subject that we're going on right now, but, you know, a class like that, 50 of the most common blanks, uh, learn them by heart. So it, it, you know, I don't forgot how we got on the subject, but there's a lot of stuff out there that could be taught that I've never seen structured in a class before. Here's, here's another one, uh, cylindrical lever set preps. Yep. You know, we all take 12 and six for granted, but there's three and nine, there's two and eight and stuff like that. Um, well, and, hmm. and something simple like door closers. I'd love to see a class about doing a fresh door closer install. Yeah. I mean, I've done a bunch on my own. And it's sort of, you know, take your template, hold it up, do a center punch where it says measure again, measure again, this way, this way, this way, and you're still off. Do a hands-on class door closer installs or exit device installs. Like how many people know that uh, a 4040 from LCM, the uh, back check has to be enabled. And that screw faces the door and uh, you have to enable it. You have to turn it before you install it. I mean, it's like one sentence in the installation instructions. I mean, how many nuances do people pay attention to? You know, my boss, he actually got to take a a two-day class at Elysian. And I'm I'm so pissed off I didn't get to take it. I, I can't remember why I didn't get to take it, and he did. I think it was limited seating or something. But anyway, he learned, like, he came out of that class, and he said, dude, I've been doing this for 30 years, and I feel like I know nothing about door closers. And the class was supposed to be a two-day class on adding the operator to the LCN44. But he came out and he's like, yeah, parallel arm is supposed to be installed this way. You're supposed to do this. You know, when you work on the door and you need it open, run all your stops in on the closer when it's open. That'll hold the door open for you. That's probably the best class where you come out re-questioning reality. You're humbled. You're thinking, I thought I knew everything, but I don't. Exactly. I, I think we need more classes like that. You know, Jeff, I mean, it would be awesome to have a class where, you know, you come out of it and it's like, holy shit, I've been doing this wrong all these years. Well, that's sort of how I felt when I took the day one of the advanced master keying class. My head was spinning. So many different numbers. You look at it one way because that's the way you're used to doing it. And then you see all the other ways of doing it, like, you know, probably more of the way the stuff that Tyler does and you know, page masters, row masters, column, all this stuff, you know, that when you're doing it in Master King, or as an example, it's a different, you know, it's a much simplified way, I guess. 
So yeah, I mean, there's you would rather have a class where it's like that than what am I, what did I just sit in here for? And I'm sure we've had classes like that too, you know, in our careers or in school mm-hmm. or whatever. Like, why am I, what am I supposed to be learning here? <laughs> exactly. All right. Any last things on the topic? Oh, I think it was cool and we can figure out what our next topics are going to be. And I would say we could do a class on things. Cust- I know Tyler doesn't like war stories, but crazy things customers asked for and then what they actually needed. Well, at least you're eliciting or asking for that response. How to speak customer. How, uh, my, my lock kind of sticks. And then you get there and you say, yes, you need a new door. <laughs> All right, so if we're if we're wrapped up on the theme of training for the day, I would like to surprise you guys with a very quick segment. We're going to do this lesson less than three minutes, so that's a minute apiece. Spare parts where we talk about anything, everything, either industry-related or not, just something really quick that goes in that's significant in your life. I like that. Yeah, go first. If you haven't taken something apart before, take pictures of it and make sure that you have replacement parts. Like if you're taking apart a car lock before you touch that face cap, make sure you have another one. Awesome. Tyler. Find a mentor. Find somebody that can teach you more than you know, and then stay in contact. Jeff's got one with Bob Dix. I had one with Brett Camp. I don't know who you've got one. I guess it'd be your boss. But find somebody that... Yeah, find somebody that can mentor you because you, it'll knock your dick in the dirt. You, you realize what you don't know, and and that's the person you should stick with. Exactly. And kind of my spare parts are, you know, what if it takes you longer than what you think it should, but you know that you're doing it the correct way, don't take any shit from anybody. Do it because you know it's right. That's all I got. Actually, right. I got one more spare part if I can. Okay. Go ahead. I was, walk- I was walking in my driveway this morning and I did find a spare part of screw and a screw that was so unique that I decided to save it because I have no idea what it goes to. Well, I'm about to find out, I'm sure. Yeah, I know. Look at this. The shank's smooth except for the last quarter inch. It's got threads on it. Exit device screw? I fuck, I don't know, man. <laughs> but I'm <laughs> saving that. I don't know. It goes Look, to something. <laughs> okay. Show, show of hands how many on average how many times do you get home empty your pockets after work and pull out keys just random keys like not tyler because those keys don't leave the vault probably no not tyler because tyler don't do work anymore i do paperwork <laughs> tyler's the boss now all right folks thank you so much for tuning in to our podcast three tumblers we hope that you'll be back Next time, our executive producer is Tyler J. Thomas. Our publisher is Mr. Jeff Moss. And I am your editor, Mr. Tim Coleman. And we will see you next time. Thank you and have a great week. Same bad time, same bad channel. See you guys.